That means that I can hear the sound samples now too. So I'm going to do this again. Baby, you really drive me coconuts. Yar, they're driving me coconuts. <laughs> they made a coconut car. One hundred percent coconut powered, very renewable. Yar, <laughs> a vast. <laughs> I don't know why this is still a pirate. I know, I know why I started with, as a pirate, but I don't know why it's still a pirate. Regardless. It runs on rum. <laughs> You know why I'm saying it as a pirate, right? Because no? the old dumb joke about um, why does the pirate have a uh, ship steering wheel in his pants? Mm. Yar, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> I think there's more of a setup to like make it pay off better, but that's the nut of it, <laughs> as it were. Welcome to Think Outside the Box Set. It's the internet's only outrage machine. I'm Nathan Hunt. I'm Cameron DeWitt, and we're going to get at you absolutely live. nasty and rude. Watch out, cancel culture. <laughs> we won't be bound by political correctness, basic decency, respect, civility, any of that stuff. <laughs> We're rude, crude dudes with bad, bad tudes. And uh, today we're coming for, we're coming for the boomer darlings. That's right, Buffalo Springfield. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're coming for this is a palate cleanser episode. It's a palate cleanser episode. We're coming for uh, the boomer uh, cover band that somehow managed to have ostensibly original songs, but they're still definitely a cover band. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, we we normally cover the full discographies in chronological order of musicians, of recording artists, right? And uh, we need to take a little break every once in a while. And a thing that Nathan likes to do is say, "Hey, let's listen to a best of of a one hit wonder," because yeah. we all know the one hit from uh, these one hit wonders, but. What else is what? What else is like? Uh, you know, what, what were all the rest of their B sides? Right. And uh, this is a this is uh, best of Buffalo Springfield retrospective. Yes. I don't know how retrospective it is, but apparently this is the best they have to offer. Yeah, a Buffalo Springfield is 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 one you suggested, and it's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting band because. Uh, people in the band went on to form a lot more successful other things. Neil Young is here. I did not. I did not know this. I did yeah. not know that Stills and Nash. Yeah, Stephen, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Stephen Stills, Stills and Young. Mm-hmm. Stephen Stills and Neil Young are both got their yeah. start in this band of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yes, and their solo careers. Or of Neil Young. Yes, <laughs> Stephen Stills of Neil Young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cl- there's also a bunch of people who ended up forming the band Poco. Um, I don't know that one. Which is not one that I really know, but I think it's um, uh, that uh, a Messina guy was in it who went on to form Loggins and Messina with oh, Kenny okay, Loggins. Good. Yeah. Um, so there's, I think that this is like one of the boomer, um, like well regarded favorites that isn't necessarily a household name yeah but like i i bet like self-described music fans revere them sort of like uh cream like a lot of people don't know sure. cream but the people who do think they're really great uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of songs on this album that are kind of rip-offs of cream <laughs> i i hear them ripping off uh the beatles mostly cream and uh the birds also yeah yep. yeah um well, I think maybe a good way to start talking about this is to start talking about the first track, which is their their one hit. Yeah. Like, I don't think I recognize any of the rest of these songs. I recognize Mr. Soul, but well, that I might don't. just... What's that? Well, I don't. Oh. Well, that's just my nickname for you, because you got so much soul. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was... Oh, yeah, it was originally a B-side. I don't think it was a super successful song. 
Um, uh, but it's some of their best, apparently. In a retrospective, yes. All right, so I think most people know the song for what it's worth. Um, so we'll start with that one. Probably not by its name. Yes, most people know it by a different name. Happening here. What it is those are harmonics, right? I don't think so. Really? I got to beware. Maybe. They might be. Hmm. So it's a real stop, collaborate, and listen type uh, joint. <laughs> um, so this is regarded as one of the foremost uh protest songs of the 60s and it's baffling to me why that is the case oh thank you i'm <laughs> glad you feel the same way because uh, on so on so many levels okay so many levels. a the song is dumb and bad <laughs> b the lyrics are dumb and vague and bad and yeah, c even worse this song what it's actually about and what it's actually like about the protest of is some dumb like like entitled bunch of kids who want to stay out late. They are not talking about yeah. protesting the Vietnam War. They are not talking about the civil rights movement. They are not talking about the burgeoning gay rights movement. They are not talking about any of the actual like real issues or like cultural movements happening at this time. This I think this was 1967. Um, yeah, pr- there's a ton of shit to going people on. People who appropriated this song. Yes. <laughs> into something useful, but there's nothing here. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing here. This like this is literally um uh da, 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 da. shit, I had it pulled up somewhere. Um yeah, so I, I, I have the, the background. There's uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Stephen Stills was inspired to write the song because of the sunset sunset strip curfew riots in November nineteen sixty six. A series of early counterculture era clashes that took place between police and young people on the Sunset Strip. I believe this is in Hollywood. Uh, beginning in mid 1966, the same year that the band became a house band at uh, Whiskey A Go Go on the Sunset Strip. Mm, yes. Um, so I guess there is like local busybodies and businesses were annoyed about you know, loitering young people and making a bunch of noise and uh, not being respectable and there being traffic. And so I guess they lobbied the Los Angeles County to uh, uh, stop the loitering and have a curfew uh, at 10 p.m., which, to be fair, if, is stupid. Yes, that is stupid. You know? And it is bad. Yeah, that is, is stupid. Dumb. They shouldn't all, do that. I'm all for fighting cops. Let me just be on the record here. I'm not criticizing yeah. them for fighting the cops and protesting. But yeah. it's it's just this song is like taken as this giant, this like uh watermark, this uh bellwether for this like protest movement and what was really going on was really important. And it's it's about like the dumbest, smallest scale shit possible. Like Yeah. The Vietnam War is right there. The civil rights movement is right, right. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, they even say in uh, Neil Young's um, Long May You Run, the illustrated history, uh, Stephen Stills talks about uh, writing the song and says, I had something kicking around in my head. I wanted to write something about the kids that were on the line over in Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia that didn't have anything to do with the device of this mission. This is really weird, hmm. weird worded, um, which was unraveling before our eyes. So I don't know if he's talking about Vietnamese kids or if he's talking about soldiers or whatever. Um, but he's, you know, he's talking about this fruitless war. Mm-hmm. And then he says, then we came down to sunset from my place on Topanga with a guy. I can't remember his name. And there's a funeral for a bar. One of the favorite spots for high school and UCLA kids to go uh, and dance and listen to music. This is riveting, um, by the way. Officials decided to call out... Right. The, what a <laughs> what an inspiration for a song. Yeah. Uh, this is the part that I think is kind of interesting, and I think there's something happening here. Uh-oh. <laughs> but what it is ain't exactly clear. Decided to call out the uh, riot police because there's 3,000 kids sort of standing out in the street. There's no looting. There's no nothing. 
It's everybody having a hang to close this bar. A whole company of LAPD in full Macedonian battle array and shields and helmets and all that. They're lined up across the street. And I just went, whoa, why are they doing this? There's no reason for it. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, the LAPD is, the is well known uh, for recruiting from the country of Macedonia, uh, which is, yeah. is now called North Macedonia, I think, or something like that. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I think there's something in this song, which is just uh, this general uh, violent divide between generations and this general mistrust of youth um, mm-hmm. and there being, uh, you know, the, the police always escalating or attempting to escalate um, uh, peaceful protests and things like that. Yeah. Um, but this is like gatherings. Such, such a, such a like milk toast. This is like a, the most centrist song I think I've ever seen about a protest. It's, it's so that, passive that's the thing. The, it's like the, the text hey, there's, in the there's song stuff happening around. Uh, but he refuses to like take anyone's side. There's battle lines being drawn and nobody's right. If everybody's wrong, young people speak in their minds and are getting so much resistance from behind. There's, there's good people on both sides. There's good people on both sides. Let's phrase everything in the passive voice. And, uh, you know, everybody's got something of a point, you know? Everybody's got their, yeah. their own truth to contribute. Uh, when, yeah, and in the chorus, when he says, it's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. He's like, it's time we stop doing what? Who's we? Uh-huh. Who needs to stop? And then later on in the song, in the text of the song, it sounds like he's saying, stop protesting. Yeah. Um. Because he says, uh, what a field day for the heat, a thousand people in the street, singing songs and uh, carrying signs, mostly say, hooray for our side. Of course, of course they're saying that. That's the whole point. That's the whole point, is you have an agenda, you have a political movement, and you it, it is a struggle to try to accomplish something. Why do, why <laughs> yeah. are you, why do you, why are you like, why do you have so much beef that there's a side at all? It's like. These yeah, are fucking cops. Like, of course there's a side. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like looking at the civil yeah, rights movement and being like, oh, these people, they just, they just, they're, they're only interested in their side. It's like, motherfucker, of course there's a side. They're trying to like fight for liberation. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I can like maybe understand why in the context of this song, if he's like, well, sh- is there a more constructive way to or a more strategic way even to go about protesting this curfew um, or whatever. Like, I guess maybe, but, but the, the song is, it's written in an era of so much weightier things going on. And it makes sense to me why it's sort of, it feels like it's about something that's a bigger deal than it actually is about. Yes. Um, and then in the verse four, Paranoia strikes deep into your life. It will creep. It starts when you're always afraid. Step out of line. The man come and take you away. That sounds what the justified. Fuck is that that is not paranoia. If you step out of the line and the man comes to take you away, that's not paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. It's like I don't know what he's trying to say. I believe when he says, "Yeah, he wrote the song in 15 minutes." There's words oh, here. Oh, I believe seem, it. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's words here that like. Uh, evoke feelings. I will say, I think that the the song, the the music and the arrangement and the melody is really arresting. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually a pretty brilliantly written and performed song. Mm-hmm. In that, just musically on a musical level, I think it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. They're like the guitar notes are incredible. I think you said they're harmonics. Yes. I think so too. Yes. Um, I have a Wikipedia citation that says one of the most recognizable elements of the song is Neil Young's use of guitar harmonics. That, um, and that's when Neil you Young, always yeah. pushing the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> always pushing for me being right. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it is really beautiful. I will say I, it's been a long time since I've listened to, to it like in in stereo mm-hmm. um, and at least in this cut of the song and I don't know if it's different because it's on a compilation it is mixed really strangely mm-hmm. um, it's 
like super hard panned. The mm-hmm. lead vocals are all 100% left speaker. Yeah. Which I think is really weird. And I don't really like it. I don't know why they're doing it. Yeah. And then all of the, uh, like the harmony vocals are in panned all the way to the right. Um, I think the drums are all the way to one side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really strange. And I'm not a big fan of that. But other than that, I think musically and sonically, this is a powerful song. But the words are just garbage. Yes, they're really not (laughs) good. Yeah, like uh, best case scenario, just not well thought out. And worst case scenario, like centrist respectability politics. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah, boomer bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, And uh, yeah, so like I was thinking like, why is this song so iconic? And I I was like, there must have been like some sort. It's like, this is... I mostly think about the song as a Vietnam movie trope. It shows up in like uh, um, Forrest Gump. Um, that's the thing. Yeah. Like Forrest Gump was a send up of that genre. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like that part of the movie. Like at that point, it already was a a nostalgia piece. Mm-hmm. So yes. like I, I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I couldn't. And then Tropic Thunder does it. Um, I couldn't find any actual origins like in film, like in anything that was like from that time period mm-hmm. where it got licensed. So I don't actually, maybe it's just cause it's Forrest Gump. Um, maybe. and Forrest Gump was so iconic. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. This song fucking bumps me out. And honestly, this song makes me feel like <clears throat> I've said on the show before how, I've had this interaction with white boomers a fair amount, like a a, a fair amount of times where I will like call them out on being racist or saying something that's insensitive or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not racist. I was at Woodstock. (laughs) And as if it were impossible to be racist at Woodstock. Right. (laughs) What the 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 actual fuck? What the fuck happened at Woodstock that was like, it's kind of like listening to people describe having a drug trip. And it's like, that sounds very important to you, Mm -hmm. but you have to acknowledge that you are not communicating why this was special in a way that I can engage with. I guess it's it's because they they dare to allow black people to perform at Woodstock. (laughs) Yeah, they they dare to allow one of the most talented <laughs> musicians ever to perform. <laughs> yeah, that's very progressive um, of them. Yeah, so like this, when I hear this song, I I just immediately think about those people in my life who they can tell that profound things are happening, but they don't necessarily know what to make of it. And it's right there. In the mm-hmm. first verse, there's something happening here, but what it is ain't exactly clear. Um, and I, it seems I, pretty clear to me, honestly. Like I don't, I don't get yeah. why he's so confused. It seems pretty clear that uh, the cops and the elites and the business owners are being shitty uh, yeah. in a somewhat small way, but it is a real way of like we're going to have a curfew because we don't like the young hoodlums and the riffraff and the low lifes, uh, like congregating past 10 and we're going to use the power of the state to protect our private property which is what the police are for and like that's it's very clear like that's all there is to it and the, and then yeah. the, the people who are who are impacted by this are protesting it like why, yeah how, how is that not clear <laughs> there's someone put in the uh <laughs> this is so stupid. I hate this song. This is the, mainly the reason why I wanted to talk about this album. I don't have that much else to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> in, in the what have the artists said about this song section of the genius of rap genius, uh, Stephen Sills added another facet to the song's meaning. It turned out to be indicative of what was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Did it, Stephen? Did it? Also, the civil rights movement has been going on for how many years now? The Vietnam War has been uh, going on for how many years now? Like, come on. Well, well, a lot of people thought that it was about the Kent State shooting, um, even I though it guess. happened three years before that. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's so it's so vague. And 
once again, like I think it's fine that it was appropriated into something more meaningful potentially. Um, and it is a cool song in its construction if you don't pay attention to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is moving and pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I like the idea of, you know, someone getting some kind of use out of it. And it puts you in this very particular mood um, that's sort of, like, focused mm-hmm. and um, and serious um, and, like, driven so I think it's musically really well put together and I, I think it makes sense why it was so impactful, but uh, yeah, the lyrics are just garbage. Yeah. And it, to me, yeah, represents a lot of my beef with a lot of people in that generation who um, are just like, yeah, there's um, a lot of motion and a lot of noise and they're just like babies. And they're yes, like, exactly. everything is just keys dangling to, <laughs> dangling to them. <laughs> you know, like, what do I even do with this? There's cops beating yeah. up a bunch of people and uh, I guess both people have sides, and they probably have good points on both sides. And who can even say what's happening here? Uh, luckily, it's it's uh, ha- has faded away into obscurity, uh, and definitely wasn't sung at the 2020 Democratic National Convention uh, by Billy Porter with Stephen Stills on guitar. And apparently, that was a nod to the song's resurgent use in the summer 2020 American protests. So, well, I think Billy Porter's cool. I don't know who that is, actually. He's just like a beautiful black man who wears a dress a, a lot. <laughs> oh, I have seen pictures of him in dresses. He he is very he's he is very good looking, and he wears it. He wears the hell out of a dress. I will say. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. He can do whatever he wants. But yes, I wish they were singing a better song. Yes, exactly. I wish this song had not gotten resurgent in the protests yeah. from last year. Or he wrote new lyrics like. You know, conclusions can definitely be drawn. Yeah. <laughs> There's something happening here. What it is, is exactly clear. There's a man Stop with a gun over there. boomers making sounds. <laughs> <laughs> there you um, go. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of an aside, but um, I've been listening to the uh, Behind the Bastards episodes recently. And their miniseries on the Dulles Brothers. The Dulles brothers were the head of the CIA oh, and secrets. The guys uh, from the airport. Secret Service. Um, the Secretary of, Ska- of State. The Secretary of State. State. Secretary of State. <laughs> <laughs> radical. So um, radical. And, you know, they're, they're basically um, responsible kind of secondhand for all of the atrocities in Latin America and in the Middle East, like in the... 20th century mm-hmm. like um they you know put in all these dic- dictators who did all these ethnic uh cleanses and uh they're you know really awful people yes. um anyway um they have an airport named after them which is fucking great yeah <laughs> why not why not <laughs> uh yeah there's um uh will i am in his verse in where is the love in the black eyed peace song he like this is like in 2000 eight or seven or maybe earlier than that he he like says that the cia is um is a terrorist organization in the song in the lyrics and it's like kind of amazing that he said this i mean people should have known by then yeah but like for like a a mainstream song to say like crips bloods cia to sort of rhetorically put them all sort of in the same category category even though like I think the CIA is worse <laughs> than the Crimson Bloods. Um, yeah. Oh, obviously. Like, <laughs> like absolutely. No contest. Question. Yeah. But like, I, th- I see what he's doing rhetorically. Um, but um, I just found out that he, uh, he changed the lyrics when he performed the song at Obama's inauguration. Oh, huh. To something just wishy-washy, like we should all get along or something. Oh, fuck. Come on, dude. Yeah, and I'm curious, like, if he elected to do that or if, like, he got censored and he was like, well, this is still an important moment and I guess I'll change the lyric. Um, But it's still kind of a bummer of a story. It really is. Holy shit. Because, like, you know, Will I Am calling the CIA uh, a terrorist organization um, really does a lot to, like... Uh, counterbalance him using the R word in one of the most popular <laughs> songs of that decade. <laughs> you know, like, yep. it, you know, uh, but anyway, it's still there. 
God, I remember somebody, I forget who it was, somebody I saw online making the point that like, if you're talking to somebody who doesn't know what the CIA has done and various other like alphabet organizations, you come off sounding like a crazy person, like conspiracy theorist. It's like, no, no, MK Ultra. Like the government was dosing American citizens unsuspectingly with fucking LSD because they wanted to make a mind control uh, process so that they could like mind control the Soviet leaders. And it's like, well, you sound like a fucking raving lunatic. But guess what? It actually happened. It's declassified. Declassified. <laughs> like, um, yeah. It's, I think that that there. particular one was uh, fact. was uh, rogue declassified. It was not intended to be, and I think that was published by the Washington Post or something back in the day. Oh, um, interesting. Or like the uh, the, the Tuskegee uh, syphilis experiment. Oh my god! Like if, it 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 bums me out that people don't know about these things. Because um, if you do try to talk about them, people look at you like you're crazy. <sighs> yeah, that's yeah, that's such a. It it makes a lot of sense that this song was at the DNC. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the most DNC song I've ever heard. Yes, um, it really is. All right. I don't necessarily want to talk about that many other songs. Let me tell you the songs I th- would like to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, there's a really lovely guitar solo in Kind Woman. Mm-hmm. There's some Clawhammer banjo playing in Bluebird. Yep. I'd be interested in diving a little bit more into the lyrics of Broken Arrow. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if we have time, go and say goodbye. Those are the things that like jump out to me as things that I could potentially fill some time talking about and maybe have, maybe it'd be interesting. <laughs> um, do you have anything that's like you want, like that's a priority for you to talk about yeah. in this album? Yeah. I want to throw in Mr. Soul. Cause I think that's their okay, second do. most popular and maybe expecting to fly. Cause I think that is their third most popular song. Cool. Um, and also I've, I've heard Mr. Soul before mostly the cover version from rush. For the thought that I caught that my head is the event of the season White crowds, just a trace of my face could seem so pleasing I'll cop out to the change, but a stranger is putting the tease on That is Neil Young doing his best to rip off the birds and eight miles uh-huh. high. <laughs> And the Fifth Dimension album, which came out the year before this album did, um, I, I, yeah, it, it was, it was bonkers to me how much of this reminded me of the Beatles. Like it, it really feels yep. like this, this band was ripping off Beatles, particularly the uh, the Beatles for Sale era, um, and then their psychedelic stuff just seems completely ripped off of the Birds, and then, um, yeah, their more bluesy like stuff seems like it's just ripped right off of Cream. It, it, it was I mean, like that guitar riff is basically I can't get no satisfaction. Oh, that like too. Them. Although it might it's predate. Like, when, when, when was that song? Oh, right? Stones. I'm looking at you. Uh oh. Yeah. So it it just it it really seemed like this was a stunningly unoriginal band. Yeah. Like, th- I mean, this is all happening around the same time, but I feel like they heard uh, the Fifth Dimension album and they're like, oh, let's have it. Let's do a song like that. Let's 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 us do that too. Um, in their in their typical sort of baseline um, mode of ripping off the Beatles. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Soul. I dropped by to pick up a reason, for the thought that I caught in my head is the event of the season. Why in crowds just a trace of my face could seem so pleasing, I'll cop out to the change, but a stranger is putting the tease on. These are very, like, Bob Dylan-style lyrics of just basically complete incoherence mean, they mean so much <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> what i meant they're so profound yeah they're so profound they're really poetry and he deserves to win the uh, nobel prize in poetry um which i'm still mad All right. about he, he, here's here's something um is neil young not very good <laughs> people love neil young that's i've only i haven't question. listened to that much neil young and a lot of the stuff i've listened to i really do not care for and I feel annoyed by something about the culture around him. Yeah. Um, I feel like he kind of has a following that is a, a similar but lesser version of the Bob Dylan reverence worship. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's just like people see a songwriter writing original songs and like, it must be good or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I've mostly listened to his Harvest album, which I like yeah, fairly well. Um, it it doesn't strike me as like amazing songs though. Um, not like uh, What a well, Fool Believes, well, a man needs which a I've maid. been. <laughs> yeah, a man needs a maid. Uh, not like uh, What a Fool Believes, which I've been obsessed with for the last like week or two. Um, which was written by Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins and performed by the Doobie Oof. Brothers and is the best song ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. That's the dream team right there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so... Um, Neil this song is about being disillusioned with fame, I guess. I guess. In as much as it could be said to be about anything. Um, yeah, it's like, in a while will the smile on my face turn to plaster, stick around while the clown, while the clown who is sick does the trick of disaster. <laughs> That, that's that that that's why I think it sounds like Bob Dylan. It's like there's all these yeah. sort of disconnected images images just thrown at you. There's it's really unclear like who is what and doing what and where and what the viewpoint of the song is even grammatically. Um, stick around while Man, the clown who is sick does I wish the trick. A way of we could talk about Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh boy, on this show. Oh boy, it's like a hundred albums. He does. Um, including the best Christmas album I've ever heard. Everyone go check it out. It's it's amazing. It'll change your life, but not in the way you think. Um, for the race of my head and my face is moving much faster. There's just, there's a lot of this just like weird grammar uh, that seems like it's contorting itself in order to phrase things in a passive voice. Yeah. Which I feel like Bob Dylan does a lot too. And I just, I don't, I don't get why. Um, yeah. I'll, yeah. This is like the, the, the one thing that like really stuck with me from the song that was annoying and confusing to me was um, at the end of verse two, uh, any girl in the world could have easily known me better. She said, quote, you're strange, but don't change unquote. And I let her, and I never like, this is something I heard when I was a teenager, Rush's cover version of the song. And it always bothered me. Like, is he saying that the thing that he regrets is that he let her say that or he let her change him or could have known him better and he let her know him better. Yeah. I don't know. Who's does he, does Neil Young know? I don't know. I doubt it. (laughs) Especially now. Nathan, would you say that there's something happening here and what it is ain't exactly clear. Cameron, I feel like that could apply to most of this album. (laughs) but i think it is quite apt yes you're correct all right uh do you want to move on to kind woman yeah i just there's some little uh musical moments that would be nice to talk about then we can move on yeah kind of get to feeling like mm, you know when fell in love first time What if a woman was kind? <laughs> what if? You know? What 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 kind of world would that synopsis. be? This this is a song about um trying to convince a woman to have sex with you uh promptly. <laughs> promptly. It's got to be tonight. <laughs> this chip night. chop, chip chop. Come on. I'm in a rush here. Uh, <laughs> um someone this is a real aside but someone recently uh posted this like super cut of pop bunk pop bunk ooh shit pop hmm? more like pop hmm? pop bunk bands right huh. pop bunk beds uh <laughs> pop punk bands uh singing the word tonight uh um, oh boy for like i don't know 90 seconds and it's pretty good <laughs> um anyway that's yeah that's what the song is about uh it's not about much it's not there's one there's one strange lyric yep remember once before you're hearing the old folks say i don't know if that's a genius annotation issue or a, a genius transcription issue but that's a weird <laughs> tense yeah you're remember hearing once before you're hearing the old folks <laughs> say loves an ageless old rhyme sounds like something tommy Nowadays, Wiseau would say you know they're saying depends so much on the kind of woman that you find what the fuck is are we supposed to make of that is is he saying that like women these days are loose 
and their morals are not good and you got to find yeah, a good they one they don't rhyme they don't have bars yeah women these can't days spit. can't rap yeah <laughs> that's what the um the old folks say not me loves an ageless old rhyme okay that that's entirely meaningless but whatever it's like yeah kind <laughs> that's of the only weird part of this song lyrically um there's a nice little guitar solo you should play the guitar solo i will play the guitar solo here here comes nathan with his guitar <laughs> pew, 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 pew. That is lovely. It borrows a lot of yeah. vocabulary and approach from uh, like country slide guitar. Yes. Um, yes. But it is presumably... Yeah, it's like a pedal steel-esque. Yeah. I don't think it's actually pedal steel. I don't think it but is. But it sounds like it. Yeah. There's uh, some really nice like voicings and like internal like chord, uh, chord melodies. Mm-hmm. There's a counterpoint in it. It's cool. It's like a good solo. There's some other solos in this album or other guitar moments that feel noodly and bad. Mm-hmm. I thought this one was really good. It is really and, good. And uh, I don't know who's responsible for it, but uh, it could be any of the, the three. Yeah. Stephen Stills, Richie Furey, or Neil Young. And uh, I think they got their shit together and they did it. They did a good... They did it. They, they did a good guitar solo. They did a good guitar at us. And hey, I like it. Can we can we talk a bit about Sit Down, I Think I Love You? Because I think it's I forgot that it's very funny. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. We should we should talk about That's that. That's the previous song. Let's let's take a listen. Yeah. Stop thinking of you. If you go, I know I cry. Can't you see that I'm a desperate man? I get high. Just being around you wanna know what they say about the murder. It's pure, pure, uncut, unfiltered Beatles ripoff. Yeah, Beatles for sale. Exactly. They bought. They bought. Mm -hmm. They (laughs) bought them. Beatles are selling. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I get high. They even say. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think this song is very pathetic. (laughs) I'm not sure how like (laughs) pathetic it's supposed to be, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but (laughs) the opening line is the title of the song: "Sit down." I think I love you. If you have to tell someone to sit down before you say, I think I love you. I, like, I'm not sure, but I th- I think. <laughs> and then you, you end that verse with, I can't stop thinking of you. If you go now, I know I'll cry. Or sorry, if you go, I know I'll cry. It's, yeah, um, it's, it's pretty pitiful. So I used to listen to Rose Buddies, uh, which is the, the, the show that Griffin McElroy and Rachel McElroy had before they started doing the show uh, podcast wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they started doing the podcast wonderful because Rose buddies was no longer tenable because it's a show about the bachelor and eventually the toxicity of, um, of the bachelor uh, family of products, the, uh, the, the bachelor, all the bachelor TV shows, uh, it got to them and they couldn't yeah. in good conscience do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, it was a really entertaining show. Um, Rose buddies. And one thing that they talk about in that show a lot is confessions of love mm-hmm. and how they're all of these different degrees of confessions of love and how one of the most uh, common ways that love is confessed on the show is one of the, one of the contestants will say, I do love you. <laughs> <laughs> like apropos of nothing, you know, like not in response to a challenge, but it's, I, I do love you. And it's like, these like little tells. Mm-hmm. Um, There's like an implicit like, like defensiveness to it. Just say, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't say I do love you. That sounds bad. It sounds like you don't specifically. <laughs> um, anyway, 
uh, sit down. I think I love you is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny to me that I think it's intentional that this song is supposed to be kind of pathetic. Also, you ought to know what they say about the bird in the hand. And that's why I ain't leaving without you. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I do not think they intended it to be funny. I do. I do not see any like <laughs> trace of self-awareness elsewhere on these songs. And, uh, <laughs> I think they do so, not realize. For for the, for those of you who um, uh, are not up on all of your uh, folksy idioms, uh, the the saying what they say about the bird in the hand is that it's worth two in the bush, meaning that if you are uh, hunting mm-hmm. for, I guess, wild birds, um, which is a British word for women slang. There you go. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're hunting. Uh, just like it's saying that the bird that you have is 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 uh more valuable than two birds that you could get yes and um there's um sort of the implication that if you try to chase the two birds you might lose the one that you have yeah uh so <laughs> so i think what's funny about this is that it doesn't actually sound like he has her. Yep. It like, really does. She is a bird in the hand. So I think that's uh, a misreading of the situation on this, on the part of the speaker. And, um, also it's sort of saying like, um, I'm trying to ignore all of these other birds that are sort of more valuable and more alluring, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to like cut my losses. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. I, I'll settle it's for you. It's not a flattering way to be spoken to. I'll settle for you. See if I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty baby i'm your guy it's not much i'm asking of you just to please give me a try oh boy <laughs> it's, it's um, such a it's yeah it's a real nice guy energy yeah it's it fucking sucks and it's and it is funny and i hope that it's at least a little bit trying to be funny yeah i feel like the pathetic man crooner is like a is a thing is an archetype in these types of songs i think they're trying to channel that mm-hmm. and it's like Maybe, you know, at at some point, this kind of thing would be charming. Like, oh, I, you know, this would be attractive to a woman, I guess. It's like, hmm. oh, this man is just, like, desperate mm-hmm. and is, like, making a fool out of himself for me. That makes me feel nice, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, wouldn't make me feel fucking nice. Nope. Like, this is weird and embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, yeah. Uh, okay. Did you want to talk about Bluebird? Mm-hmm. Only that there's a Chinese folk musician, sorry, a Chinese American, like folk, folk revival era musician who plays uh, Clawhammer banjo in it. And I checked out some of the rest of his stuff. He kind of seems like an interesting, um, an interesting figure in the folk revival. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think this is the thing he's most known for. But if you look at like internet forums or like his YouTube videos or YouTube videos of him. People are like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing this guy in, in cafes in California. Is this in the, the 60s. Uh, Charlie Chin guy? Charlie Chin, yeah. Not um, the actor so, of the same name. The Taiwanese actor of the same name. No. Yeah. Different different guy. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I I thought it would be... I don't think the song's very interesting, but I there there's a part where the song ends, and then a new star- song starts in the same track. And it's this part with the banjo. And yeah, I don't, we don't get to talk about Clawhammer banjo uh, very much in the show. Yeah, uh, It's the style of banjo uh, that that I play and that you play. Mm. And, uh, I haven't really at, done much. Play at. I, I pretend to play sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's take a listen to that sound. Like. You can bum ditties. That's pretty fun. It's kind of a nice little moment. Yeah. It is interesting, like, how jangly of a banjo he's playing Mm -hmm. and how it sounds like they just recorded him in, like, it sounds like they made a field recording of him playing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it does not 
sound as sort of lush and intimate and close mic'd as everything else in this album. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just thought that was interesting. I looked up a little bit about him. He's like, yeah, like a, uh, a Pete Seeger type. And, Mm -hmm. um, but he's also seems to be Chinese and, um, has done some like little, he's done some theater stuff and some Chinese culture stuff. And uh, I don't know much about him, but he seems kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, figure who most people mainly know as the person who played banjo on this track. Mm. And most people don't know this track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should talk about Broken Arrow and then be done. Okay. Broken Arrow. Did you see them? This song gave me like kind of like Age of Aquarius mm. kind of vibes a little bit mm-hmm. musically for sure. Yeah, that like like that like four on the floor mm-hmm. like kind of marching beat and uh, the the parallel harmonies mm-hmm. they're sort of yawning. <sighs> what what the fuck is this song about? I was gonna ask you that cameron um okay let me just synopsize it real quick the lights turned on and the curtain fell down and when it was (laughs) over it felt like a dream (laughs) they stood at the stage door and begged for a scream the agents had paid for the black limousine they waited outside in the rain did you see them did you see them did you see them in the river they were there to wave to you could you tell that the empty quivered brown skin indian on the banks that were crowded and narrow held a broken arrow could you tell that hmm uh, so there are three verses, and each verse ends with that little scene of the um, brown-skinned Indian on the banks uh, who has a, a quiver of arrows, but it's empty, uh, an empty quiver, and it's uh, they are waving to you and holding a broken arrow. That's at the end of each verse, who's and the, then each scene. Who's they? Who's who's they that is waving to me? Um, I would love to know that. It kind of seems like it's. It kind of seems like it's a singular they. Um, Unless it's a group. Hmm. I guess it says it's a group. It's crowded and narrow. Like maybe it's a lot of Native Americans yeah. on the banks, and one of them has is holding a broken arrow. It's very unclear um, because this song is pretty poorly written i'd say yeah neil young neil young <laughs> come got on shit to say um so basically it's it's three different scenes that are juxtaposed with this image this and they all end that same way the first scene it's uh it seems like it's like an op it's the end of an opera or a symphony or something the lights turned on the curtain fell um, then, uh, the musicians or performers, um, they, uh, leave in a limousine, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it's a different kind of event, but it's some sort of performer. So it's like justifying this scene with native Americans on a riverbank, broken arrow with this like high status performance. The second verse is a lot more confusing. 18 years of American dream. He saw that his brother had sworn on the wall. I don't know what that means. He hung up his eyelids. He was just up on the wall, the and he's like, fuck. Fuck, I wish I wasn't <laughs> nailed to this wall. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> Poopy. <Ugh>. Turn. <laughs> um, his mother had told him a trip was a fall, and don't mention babies at all. I don't know what the fuck this is supposed <laughs> to be about. Well, it's really hard to he say. He hung up his eyelids, ran down the hall. All right. His mother had told him a trip was a fall. Uh, have a nice trip. See you next fall is uh, what you say uh, when you then, trip someone. So maybe it's maybe someone, a bully is tripping him and then called him a baby. Maybe that's it. Uh, you know how bullies are really good at tripping you so that you are in a coma until <laughs> the leaves turn red? Um, yeah. The third verse is um, some sort of royal wedding. Yeah. So 
that's yeah i feel like but why what maybe what neil young is trying to do is trying to sort of appropriate the image of uh, he's trying to appropriate uh, like a a caricature of like native american like purity that or innocence lost or something like that and trying to juxtapose it with these other kind of high status events. Although I, again, I don't know what the second verse is, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I'm not convinced that he's saying something particular. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that he's essentially, I think he's trying to do that. Like, you know, eighties or nineties uh, uh, advertisement or um, public service announcement advertisement of, you know, the, the native American who's crying. He has a single tear. I believe that was the seventies, but yeah. Seventies. Wow. I think so. Longer ago than I thought. Um, I think it's like a, that kind of thing. Like, I don't even think appeal. He's being that intentional. I think he's just using the native American, like in a pretty exploitative way for an image in the same way that, yeah, but to what end? (laughs) Right. Well, that's, that's the idea, but, um, no, that's the question is what I meant to say. Um, but yeah, they, they do it earlier on this album with, uh, they use the word, uh, gypsy. Um, yes. The, the lovely, uh, trait of boomer hippies. Oh, they're just, just absolutely casual gypsy racism. Um, they just love to use, uh, quote unquote gypsies as, an idea of like a free spirited person. Um, right. As opposed to an ethnic group that's, you know, endured like, um, genocide mm-hmm. and, uh, being outcast and, um, people and like, people don't even want them to assimilate and they're forced to be nomadic and, um, et cetera. Yeah. Like, it's like, Oh yeah. The gypsy is just a person who I, I wish I wasn't even, <laughs> It's one of those words where it's like, it's a racial slur, but I don't know if it's like, can I, if it's at the level where I can't even use it in referring to people talking about it. Right. Like the N word. Like, quote you know, I don't yeah. know. But, uh, yeah, it's like what you said. It's just like, oh, those people seem like fun. That's what <laughs> I, that's yeah. how I feel. <laughs> yeah. And that comes in the song nowadays. Clancy can't even sing. Um, with the lines, who's putting sponge in the bells I once rung and taking my gypsy before she's begun. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this to me is, this is, this is Bob Dylan. This like, all of a sudden there's like, there's, there's a, uh, there's a wedding, the Royal wedding singing out of nowhere. And you'll, I'm sure you will find tons of boomers who say like, no, no, the wedding is an allegory for this event. And this corresponds to this. And there's this like one to one, you just kind of kind of decode it. Um, and that to me is uh, bullshit and not a worthwhile uh, endeavor as a listener or as a songwriter. So um, yeah, that yeah, that, that's this is like the one of the number one things I dislike about Bob Dylan songwriting. The streets were lined for the wedding parade. The queen wore the white gloves. The county of song, the black covered caisson her horns horses had drawn, protected her king from the sun rays of dawn. They married for peace and were gone. That's like fucking to, Bob to Dylan. To be shit. clear, songs don't have to have explicit meaning. Right. And lyrics don't have to have explicit meaning or poetry doesn't have to in order for it to work. Yes, exactly. But it is hard to say what makes it work. You know, when, when you see it and this it's is like porn, this seems like, um, you know, friend of the show, the poetic bluff. <laughs> it certainly is. It we haven't talked is. about poetic bluffs a while, mostly because Britney Spears didn't really, didn't even try, um, try to get, try to even have the pretense of poetry a yeah. lot of the time. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's all poetic bluffs. I think I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that there is intention here. It's not like the words themselves have much rhythm or I don't know, uh, consonants. Yeah. There's, there's no like pleasure in the language even like there's, there's a lot of, um, like what they call language poetry or Gertrude Stein is a good, uh, or can be a good example of this, of just like the feeling of the language and like how it sounds and almost like how it tastes as you say it. Yes. Uh, like, and there's just none of that to this. It is like not really written well on that no. uh, dimension either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Neil Young, I'd be interested in 
talking about Neil Young more on the show at some point. I don't know. I feel like he also has a million albums. Yeah, I think he does, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's another person that I feel like has too much credit. Yeah. <laughs> he has 40 studio albums. Oh my God. Ugh, so awful. Oh no, that's too many. <laughs> Give us a break, yeah, Neil. I feel, like, I feel like unless you're like... I don't know, like a jazz musician or like some sort of, (laughs) unless you actually have the like musical agency or the poetic agency to like say that much stuff to say a lot of things, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're making that many albums, it's just privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just hanging out in the studio and being flippantly like, I don't know, producing stuff because you can. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that there is some sort of temper tantrum ha- happening outside my door. Aha, uh, I was wondering what I that noise was. <laughs> ass- assist. And also, I don't want to talk about fucking Buffalo Springfield anymore. Yeah. Really disappointing. Um, yeah. My thing. Um, it was a great little excuse to, to go on a rant. Yeah. To really go off on boomers. Um <laughs> For more of that, listen to our Billy Joel yeah. season. Although he season was sixteen, he, he had a lot more to offer. I think than Buffalo Springfield did. You know what? I think I think you're right. Yep. All right. Uh, well, until next week, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at tote bs podcast. Write us a review on iTunes. That helps us out. That's a way to support us. If you want to support us even more directly, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. And uh, if you just kick us a few bucks every month, you'll help us continue making this show and you'll get access to all of our bonus materials, including a weekly mini show. This was sort of a, a maxi mini show. We talked about what, four different movies, basically. Uh, at least three. We talked about uh, ocean waves and my neighbors, the Yamadas two Ghibli movies. Mm-hmm. I, and you talked about the mask of Zorro. Yeah. With a brief discussion of your name, mostly me just saying, I didn't have oh, much yeah. to say about it. <laughs> that you watched it <laughs> yeah i did yep um you should also uh listen to cameron's other podcast which is called get up in the cool and is and is about traditional music's mostly almost all acoustic but not all yeah i don't know why you keep uh, f- fixating on that well it's it's <laughs> because time. one of the one of the uh like defining terms that i used to describe it is now no longer valid because i would always yeah. say like it's acoustic traditional musics but it's not all acoustic anymore is it Hmm. It's true. It's not. Um, yeah, uh, I'm hopefully mid June going to go back to recording all the episodes in person. Hopefully, yeah. forever. <laughs> if everyone yeah. behaves and mm-hmm. <laughs> no variants get too out of hand and the vaccines won't work against them. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I have my first little trip. Uh, gonna go up to Olympia, Washington, where there are so many wonderful traditional musicians, and yeah, just play uh, play some awesome music, have some cool hangs, and record it for posterity. Hell yeah! All right. Well, in the mean, uh, oh, do we have a? Can we check in on what the what the poll is looking like? Do we have a an idea oh, of who yeah, yeah, yeah. might be winning? Here, we had a poll set up for who we wanted to talk about next, either Janet Jackson or John Mayer. Um, I'm glad you brought this. Up. I'm glad you brought yeah. this. Yeah, and I think because, I forget uh, what the we, end we, date was. Well, I don't. I don't think we put one. But what do you say that we we start our new season next week? Yeah, I would love to. Okay, great. So let let's say this: the end date will be. Um, we normally record on Mondays, mm-hmm. so let's say sometime in the morning or afternoon of june 7th i'm going to close the survey and take the results yeah and uh that will be who we go with um so let's say uh finish voting by june 6th yeah so right now let's rock the um, vote everyone yeah (laughs) vote or die vote or die we'll kill you we'll kill you (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, right now John Mayer is still winning. So if you ah. want a Janet Jackson season, now now is your time. Vote early, or if vote you often. Want to make sh- yeah, do it. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about either. Yeah, um, I think John Mayer might be funnier to talk about. 
Uh, it might be more ranty. Yeah. Janet Jackson, it's though. It's nice to have a punching bag. Yeah. Janet Jackson is, I don't know. It could be maybe our horniest season. Oh. She's got some horny music. She has some extremely so horny music. That could music. be fun. Yeah. And potentially funny as well. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, vote everyone. Uh, until next week, I've been Nathan Hunt, the Secretary of Skate. And I've been Cameron Dewitt, and I'm ripping off the birds. <laughs> Secretary of Skate. <laughs> Man, what funny. a cool, what a cool slip of the tongue. It's <laughs> so radical. Why has that not been added to the cabinet yet? We, our, I was, I was told this was going to be the most progressive administration in history. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they they took they stopped doing the position because they kept doing Christ errors and you know the separation of church and church oh, and state. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I. I assume that that's a skate move. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>